the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Dan Prof Show. I want to uh, reference uh, something I have previously, but I think it bears repeating. This uh, observation from a physicist who listens to the show about science education, basically from K through post-secondary. He writes, science education has become little more than a computer-generated magic show intermixed with some live tricks. The underlying theory is sometimes taught and always absent the hands-on experience of working with equipment and the errors of measurement. Science is taught as absolute knowledge rather than as a process of theory and measurement and debate. Uh, Yeah, I think that's a a fairly tidy summary of where science is as it is... um, just even the word itself is used as some sort of magic incantation that uh, conveys absolute knowledge and absolute truth by whoever says, I'm just following the science, which has become almost a punchline during the pandemic. And uh, this brings me to a very uh, good piece in the Wall Street Journal uh, by a reporter, journalist over at RealClearInvestigations.com, Dateline Duke University. And um, this uh, statement that we uh, talked about when it was first issued by Duke University's president, this is last year, Vincent Price, and the statement was not a real thriller, Ohio, but it was uh, regarding this uh, poisonous uh, ideology of anti-racism. And uh, our next guest uh, had a stimulating conversation with a professor there, John Stadden, about that statement and uh, folded in science to it. For more on this, we're pleased to be joined by J. Peter Zane. He's a columnist at RealClearPolitics.com and an editor at RealClearInvestigations.com. Mr. Zane, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. Um, so, John's views are getting some attention. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so um, give us a bit of, uh, of the uh, reaction that uh, Professor, uh, I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, Professor Stade Not had. Sure, John Stadden. Staden had to uh, that uh, Duke University president's missive about, uh, you know, as a white person, I can't understand the travails of non-white people and so on and so forth. Sort of an extended apology, which is what the anti-racist movement on college campuses and everywhere else demands. Well, I think that the uh, John has for years, as uh, you know, detail in my uh, piece in The Wall Street Journal, uh, has uh, pushed back on uh, his colleagues and his colleagues use of unscientific terms in the name of science or the use of unverifiable standards for uh, communication and discussion. And so I think his main critique of Vincent Price's statement was that when you start getting into, I can't understand where you're coming from, I can't understand your lived experience, it's hard for somebody else to then know how to respond to you. Um, and it becomes, in some ways, a technique to force you to comply with them. I accept that I, I'm forced to accept the truth of what you're saying, even though I can't begin to understand it. And therefore, uh, I must 
change my behavior in response to you. Um, the first person I saw make that point uh, was uh, Jordan Peterson with the uh, uh, trans pronouns, and there was a YouTube video of him talking to uh, some young woman. And as far as I can tell, Jordan Peterson had uh, no problem uh, in most instances in calling people by the pronoun that they chose, but he didn't want to be forced to for uh, reasons that he couldn't completely embrace and understand. And I think that that's one of the aspects of the uh, price statement and Stadden's response to it is, is that the whole Western tradition that grew out of centuries of, or millennia even, of super brilliant people uh, discussing these things, debating these things, trying to have a make a good faith effort to figure out how we can all communicate with each other according to standards that are clear and, uh, and, and sensible and defensible um, is now being pushed aside into the realm of uh, emotion and intuition and lived experience, which has also obviously been part of uh, the Western tradition from Romanticism and Nietzsche and all that. But, but in other words, that has not been the primary way when we are it may be a primary way in how we're living how we understand our whole our own lives emotion intuition our assumptions and whatever but when we're in the public sphere uh, scholarship in the university and science uh, you know one of the reasons they uh, came about and evolved the way they did was to provide us tools to make sense of what other people are saying so we can all get on the same page so that we can all work together and, and make a better world using common language and common understanding. Well, that's what uh, uh, Harvard uh, epidemiologist Martin Kaldorf recently said. You know, after a few hundred years, it appears the Enlightenment is over. And um, something that uh, Stadden said uh, in, in your piece, you know, is sort of consistent with that, the idea that um, he writes, he said, quote, I'm quoting him, many social scientists have difficulty separating facts from faith. And so it's it's the the, the a bitter twist of irony, right? Uh, this is supposed to be science is based on reason and reasoning and and the the, the scientific method, but uh, science has become or you know sort of politics under the rubric of science has become little more than an expression of one's faith. Yes, and you know obviously science is a history of uh, mistakes um, and bad ideas and. Uh, you know, we know that they had figured out where cholera came from, and uh, still people resisted that it was from uh, carried in the water because they had other ideas. Uh, we know that James Garfield probably died because his surgeon uh, put his dirty fingers in his uh, wound, his bullet wound, even though he knew that uh, at that time we knew about uh, cleaning the wounds and the, the possibilities of infection. Um, a guy I wrote a book with uh, years ago, Adrian Bejan, another Duke professor, he told me a Niels Bohr quote, which was, uh, science advances one funeral at a time. So it's, it's not that people haven't had wrong ideas in the past uh, or that people have uh, resisted uh, you know, the advance of science and of better evidence uh, against their own ideas. I think you could probably say that's one of the things that's happened with climate change to some extent is that uh, you have so many people whose careers are invested in one point of view that 
they have to shut down all the other ones. And it doesn't mean that they're wrong about their ideas, but they uh, don't want to make room for uh, things that might complicate. Well, right, and that seems to me the key. When we come back with RealClearPolitics.com's J. Peter Zaid, I want to uh, talk a little bit more about uh, peer review and the exploration for truth in academia to the extent it still exists. More with J. Peter Zaid right after this. Show.com. Welcome back to the Dan Prof Show. We're speaking with RealClearPolitics.com's J. Peter Zane. He's uh, had a good piece in the Wall Street Journal on the state of science and the exploration of truth on college campuses and uh, whether or not we're at the end of the Enlightenment. I want to talk about uh, peer review in the context of this conversation, Peter. If you're unwilling to submit your argument or your work product to professional review, I mean, is that not the biggest tell of all? Right. Well, I think what uh, Stadden is also pointing out is that uh, these, these people in these sciences, social sciences in particular, they do... Uh, submit their work to peer review, but it's to a mafia of yes, other right. people yes. working in And that's why he pointed out that there are, there are now 56 sections of the American Psychological Association and 53 of the Sociology Association. So you have all these sub-disciplines. It's not just like, oh, here's sociology, here's psychology. It's, you know, this tiny little group, this tiny little group. And they all review each other's work um, and uh, pass it along. Um, and so I think that then these mafias, uh, self-sustaining groups, uh, become a problem. I think well, politically. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, well, I was just going to say, but but I mean, but now you have the the position. I mean, right? When I say review, I I mean criticism, not just right. in echo chamber, and professional criticism, you know, substantive crit- critique. Um, but 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 you have the position of of Ibram Kendi since uh, the the president's two president's letter was an, about anti-racism, that that philosophical uh, sub-discipline, I guess now. Uh, Ibram Kendi, his position is, I I will not entertain people who disagree with me because to do that is to perpetuate racism. (laughs) I mean, so, I mean, talk about a a convenient philosophy where to to challenge anybody who might be critical is to, you know, indulge the thing I'm trying to fight so I won't do it. The left, in particular has become expert at a series of silencing techniques so that they delegitimize uh, your opportunity to say anything. Um, and they do it on a hundred levels. And uh, his work, which is shoddy at best and completely incoherent at worst. Um, one thing I think that what a really interesting uh, insight, Douglas Murray's book, uh, Matt, the madness of crowds or some, you know, something you like that. Yeah. He pointed out one of the things about, you know, all of this stuff is rooted uh, in, to some extent in Marxism. And he said one of the things you have to understand is that Marxists don't have a problem with contradiction. Mm. And so, so an example from Ibram Kendi would be race is a social construct. It's not real. It's just invented. But we must make it the primary way that we define ourselves and interact with the world around us because the world has made it so important. 
So I know it's all a fantasy made up and it's, and it's, uh, it's not a description of reality, but because it is used to define me, I'm going to completely embrace it. Uh, Jay Peter Zane, columnist at RealClearPolitics.com, editor at RealClearInvestigations.com. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you. This is the Dan Proft Show.